Welcome to Political Attack. It's a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Hassel, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. What's going on, Todd? Hey, Corey. Hey. All right, so we skipped last week, and not a whole lot is happening this summer, but there is some political stuff. So let's get back to campaign to replace Congressman Chris Stewart. I, what I want to start with is this mailer situation. So in Washington County, the Republic, the Washington County GOP is criticizing a mailer that was sent out by Bruce Huff, which stated that, quote, he's the only candidate in the race who voted for Donald Trump, but it has a picture of chairman of the state GOP, Rob Axon, and it basically implies that Rob is endorsing him. And Rob says, actually, no, the state party stands firmly behind Celeste Malloy. So it's a little bit of a snafu. What do you think, Todd? Well, so um, a lot of thoughts here. So first of all, Rob Axon has been chair of the Utah GOP for about five minutes. And I'm, I'm you know, it's been since April. Um, but most Utahns don't know who he is. Um, so I think it's more... So they used his picture and they used a quote from him from two years ago about the importance of voting, which I think is a kind of a, a slight to Celeste since she was in D.C. and wasn't voting in D.C. for a couple of years. But um, it did. I, I think it's backfired in the sense that the Utah Republican Party has come out now with with its own statement. And I'm not sure if they're doing a mailer saying that, you know, we support our convention winner. Of course, Bruce got like eight votes out of 790 at the convention. So he didn't do too well, but Bruce has also, you know, kind of gone negative. Um, I mean, that same mailer had really unflattering pictures of um, Becky and Celeste, which is, um, you know, the oldest trick in the political game book. But when you're a male running against two females, I think it adds a different component. I had some neighbors who are not necessarily that political who were upset by by that flyer um, because, you know, the other emphasis was vote for me because I voted for Donald Trump, you know. It, it was a weird mailer. I think Bruce knows he's trailing, and I think this is a little bit um, desperation. And with that said, Corey, I still think with the low voter turnout, um, th this is anyone's race. I think any one of these three could win, but I think the least likely to win will be Bruce Huff. Well, that's really interesting that you say that because I just had an insider, and I won't say who or where they came from, but say yeah. that they, they think a poll is going to come out early this week's showing that Celeste is in third and that uh, Bruce and, and Becky are in the lead. So well, they've spent the most money. There was another article this week that yeah. Bruce has spent 400,000 of his own money. Um, Becky spent over 300,000. Uh, and that's on top of the 550,000 she spent last year against Mike Lee. Celeste doesn't have a lot of her own money to spend. So if Celeste loses, it's going to be because of that. But I, I've heard, you know, through some chatter that uh bruce's own polls internal polls show mm -hmm. him just to less so no, i don't know i don't know what's true so yeah just to throw a little more detail on that so bruce has raised about 200 and he's put in almost 400 of his own money for 600 ish uh, becky edwards added to the money she already had in there she's added another 300,000 of her own money and about 375 is how much she's raised. And just to give some, some reference here, Celeste has no personal funds that she's put in and probably doesn't have any period and, and has raised about 250. So, so they are really dwarfing her in the money race. 
And obviously Becky already has very high name ID. So I think to your point, like the low voter, voter turnout, you know, who knows who, how this could turn out because we've talked a couple of times and you're a little bit more, you, I think you're, you're a little bit more open to a, a Becky race than I am. I think she's definitely the one that I would not vote for of the three. And, uh, but she definitely has a lot of fans and she has a lot of fans up in your neck of the woods where my parents also live. And there's a lot of signs. <laughs> so yeah, it could be really interesting. Okay, so I think they all have their own strengths and weaknesses, but Bruce's weakness is obviously low name ID and he doesn't live in the district. Um, Celeste's weakness is low name ID and she didn't vote in the last two elections because she was in DC. And Becky's, uh, you know, Becky has high name ID, but some of it's negative. I mean, her weakness is, you know, she's ostensibly voted for Biden and, um, Obama and didn't like the abortion ruling on the Dobbs decision. And so her weaknesses, I think, you know, a lot of people feel like she's too moderate for the district. Um, so it's going to be a fascinating race. With, with all of those weaknesses said, let me just say, I know and I like all of these people. In fact, I was talking to Celeste last night in person. She was at a picnic in Davis County that I, I dropped by. Um, you know, she's out there working hard. It'll be interesting. I mean, whoever wins on September 5th will win in November, and then we'll have to file in January for because uh, they're running right now for a one-year term. Of course, we're mm -hmm. going to get them coming out of this. But you could see one or more of these uh, loser, one or more of the two losers file refiling in January. So that would be really interesting to see. I think the likelihood of someone either one of these others or probably many others would file if Becky wins <laughs> and it could make for a heck of a year in Utah politics. But speaking of 2024, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about the presidential race. Utah's Congressman Burgess Owens has endorsed President Donald Trump, he says, Donald Trump delivered record-breaking growth to all communities. As a child born in the segregated South, I witnessed Donald Trump held the Black community more than any, oh, helped, I'm sorry, helped the Black community more than any president in my lifetime. So I think that's true. And so it makes sense that, you know, he would support him. I think, I wish he, uh, you know, maybe would have waited a little bit to see how these things unfold. <laughs> but uh, it doesn't seem like... Senator Romney obviously is very opposed to Trump, but hasn't endorsed anyone. Senator Lee is more open to President Trump, obviously, but also has said that he doesn't plan to endorse anyone until much later in the process. So in the meantime, President Trump was, he did submit himself for a mugshot at the Fulton County Jail, posted bail in Georgia for one of the many indictments that, uh, that he's a part of. Todd, I'm gonna. You can you can opine on any of that, or let give us your best take on the debate and where it stands and who you thought did well. And <laughs> well, um, so first of all, let me just say I think Mike Lee gave Trump a quasi endorsement for re-election this week when he said America would be well served by a Trump, um, you know, re-election re by Trump's re-election. Um, but I, you know, he's he's going to wait and see what happens. Um, on the debate, um, I missed the very beginning, but uh, caught all the highlights. 
All of the the big polls I saw said that uh, Rama Swami won. Um, myself, my wife, uh, some other friends, all kind of found him a little bit too snarky and a little bit annoying, a little bit of a of a kind of a know it all bully. Um, he's only thirty eight. Uh, I don't think he's going to be president in twenty twenty five, but you know he might be president in twenty three thirty three or twenty thirty seven. Uh, so so who knows. Um, I thought uh, Nikki Haley outperformed. Uh, I don't think she won the debate, but I think she exceeded expectations. And I think to a certain extent, Mike, Mike Pence exceeded expectations. We kind of saw t- two sides of Mike Pence. We kind of saw the preacher side, and then we kind of saw the angry attacker side. Um, and I like the angry attacker side a little bit better than the preacher side. Um, but um, I, I, I'm, I, I'm wondering why Tim Scott is there. I'm wondering why the governor of South Dakota is there, uh, or is it North Dakota? I get mixed up in North Dakota. Um, uh, you know, Chris Christie, you know, kind of, uh, I think, um, met expectations by attacking Trump. I did really like Ramaswamy's comeback to Chris Christie, and he said, oh, come on over here and give me a hug like you did to Barack Obama. That was a classic comeback. Um, you know, it was a very entertaining debate. Um, I think DeSantis had some good moments. I'd put him in the top three. Um, but, um, you know, the, you know, the Tucker Carlson interview with Donald Trump, which dropped on Twitter on, on, on X five minutes beforehand, by the end of the debate, it already had over 75 million views. And so I think Trump won the debate, you know, without well, 75 million impressions, which means impressions. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, still, though, I, I, you know, Trump is the elephant in the room. I don't blame him for not showing up. There's really no upside to him when he's up by 30 or 40 points to showing up. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, um, it, it was entertaining. I, I don't know that anybody's minds were cha- was changed. Uh, how did you feel? Well, I, I was oh, I forgot to mention Asa Hutchinson. So Asa Hutchinson, Tim Scott and the governor of Dakota, I think all three of those should drop out. Yeah, Asa Hutchinson has no rationale whatsoever. So I would say just in general, I mean, there's good people. I mean, several of them would be great presidents. So I, I, I think from that standpoint, you know, in the past, we've had the seven dwarfs or whatever. And it's kind of like who these guys could actually do it. I, I actually think there's a good slate and they all have high favorable ratings, uh, favorable versus non-favorable. Um, Ramaswamy, I've had friends tell me they thought he was a magnificent. And I've had friends tell me they thought he was the most obnoxious guy I guess the only thing I'd say about him, he's obviously very talented, but um, if he said that Trump is the best president in the 20th century, and I guess, then why are you running against him? <laughs> if that's the case. Well, well, he's clearly, he's clearly, clearly carrying water for Trump. Yeah. Uh, he's a Trump surrogate. Trump doesn't attack him. He doesn't attack Trump. I mean, that that's very obvious at this stage. Yeah. So Tim Scott, I'm a huge fan of, and I've said before, but I think you're right. He did, uh, he did underwhelm and I was a little disappointed in him and he basically was was non-existent. I actually think he'd be a fantastic president and and when he's in a small group, he's amazing. I, th- I think he actually I like him too. But, I like him too. But he didn't show up there. For uh and you know, DeSantis, I was kind of hoping would be a little bit stronger, but I don't I don't think he was bad. You know, I, I thought he was good. But and I agree that Nikki Haley was much stronger and and Pence was seemed to me like he he's he's normally quieter. And so the fact that he I guess felt like disrespected since he was the vice president and he has a higher standing or something like that. I don't know. I'm not really a Pence guy, but, um, but Pence you know. is only running, I think, to exonerate his name for January 6th. He, he's not going to win. He has no base of support, but 
I think he wants the national stage to explain what he did. And I think he did a good job of that at the debate. Yeah. What he yeah. did, why he did it. So but I would say, you know, DeSantis, Haley, Tim Scott, maybe Ramaswamy, although I need more convincing, but several of them could be great presidents. And I, I you know, so um, on that, from that standpoint, I think, you know, I think we did well. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, where things go and where Utah goes too, because I've had several friends, quite a few friends in Utah who were very strong on DeSantis and, you know, they, they follow the media narrative that DeSantis is, has taken a big dip. And so, you know, there's less confidence. I don't know. I, I think that these things, it's a roller coaster and you're going to see um, peaks and valleys. Back to uh, Utah Republican Party Chair Rob Axon. He announced this week that the state GOP will opt out of the presidential primary in favor of a presidential preference poll on caucus night, something that happened in 2016. Todd, why don't you describe to us what that means? Well, that means if you want to have a say of Ron DeSantis versus Donald Trump versus, I don't know, who's uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, you're going to have to go and sit through your caucus for an hour to two hours in March. You're not going to get a ballot mailed to you, and you're not going to take that ballot and, and either mail it back or put it in a box. You're going to sit there, and, and you're basically going to vote in front of your friends and neighbors um, I don't know. I guess there could be a secret ballot in the caucus. It probably depends how they're going to run the caucus. Um, we did this in 2016 with Trump. Um, and if you compare that to 2012 and 2020, um, about 300,000 less Republicans got to have a say. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I'm personally, I'm up for re-election next year. So this would help me because if uh, someone wanted to run against me and tries to stack the caucus against me, they're going to be stacking against me and against uh, uh, Donald Trump and against, you know, <laughs> Ron DeSantis. And they're going to be stacking against um, Governor Herbert, uh, Governor Cox. And so for me, it's actually um, it's helpful because it, you know, it, it means that nobody's going to be able to stack the caucus against me. Um, I, I, so I'm not sure that this is good for the state. Um, I don't think the result will change all that much, but I think it sends a message that the Republicans are kind of an insider's game. We're not necessarily uh, user-friendly and open for business. That's so, so speaking to that, can you, can you give, so I wasn't here in 2016, so um, ex explain to us, I've heard Rob say if the way that it worked in 2016 is if, if you wanted to vote and you still could, you couldn't go to caucus, you could still vote. Uh, by proxy or something like that. And how, how does that work for people? Who I think you would have to, you'd have to write down your vote and send it to one of your neighbors who are going to caucus. I don't know if they have something else in mind, but usually voter by proxy, you have to um, give someone a photograph of your driver's license. And then you have to send your ballot like with in a sealed envelope with your signature. I over, see. You know. Well, I'm also interested in this because I'll be there on a caucus night, but I'm, I'm, well, at least for now, I'm the precinct district 51 chair, and so I'm going to have to help organize this and, and referee it and all. That. It will it will increase caucus turnout, which I think is good for the party overall. Uh, but at what expense? And you know, it's not a horrible idea. I I think that a lot of Utahns are going to be disappointed that they don't get a ballot in the mail. So yeah. so if you have to work that night, if you're out of town. 
if your kid's sick. I mean, there's just a lot of reasons why people can't go on a Tuesday night and sit in a in a school classroom for two hours. There's just a lot of reasons why that doesn't work out. Yeah, for yeah. And I think a lot of people don't know about it, so it's I guess incumbent upon us, I guess, to make sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've been to every caucus and Woods Cross since 1999 when I bought 1997 when I bought my house. But I understand. I, I mean, I think we have to be, you know, this is post COVID. We have to be user friendly. So if we were doing caucuses on Zoom, I think that'd be easier than for a lot of people. But we're not. We're not yeah. doing it. All right. So Senator Romney, we've been waiting on the Hamlet, will I or won't I kind of thing. And he says most recently that he'll decide in the fall. He had a conversation with his family and his family said, told him to do whatever he wants to do. And so he's, he's said that a few issues are important to him, debt and deficit, climate change. So he thinks that if he can work on those issues in an effective way, then he'll stay. Otherwise he might think about retiring. I think he's running. I think if he wasn't running, the easiest thing in the world is to say, no, I'm not running. So I, I think he's running. I think he's running too, but I, I hear from at least, I mean, every week people are like, oh, there's no way he's running. <laughs> so there's very strong views uh, different ways. I definitely am with you that I think he will. And so when do you think we will find out though? Is he waiting until um, Christmas? No, I think sometime around Halloween. Halloween. Okay, so two months away, a couple months away then. All right, that'll I remember be... four, six years ago, he didn't announce until January, January or February. So, yeah, geez. So, if he announces on November 1st, it'll still be three months before, two or three months before the last cycle for him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, that'll, that, that, that would effectively freeze out people, but you still have, you know, Brad Wilson running. So, yeah, Brad Wilson and Trent Staggs. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think both of them stay in, uh, even if Romney runs. Yeah. So. And it'll be fascinating to see who jumps in if Romney doesn't run. We heard Jason Chaffetz also this week say he's interested in running for something again. You and I have talked about this before, but he doesn't want to run against Romney. He might want to hurry up, though, because, I, I mean, he, he was good, but I'm not sure so many people have such long memories of yeah, <laughs> he's he's got the you know, so he has to give as soon as he announces as a candidate, I think he has to leave Fox News. So I'm guessing he's making over half a million dollars a year for that. And um I don't I don't see this big uh draft Jason Chaffetz for anything movement in Utah. I'm sorry, I, I like Jason personally. I think he was a good congressman. Um I, you know, you, you take a coal, an ember out of the fire and it and it cools off, you know, eventually and and Jason's been out of the fire for a long time. I'm not saying he couldn't get back in, but, um, you know, I, I, like you, I move in a lot of Republican circles and nobody is saying, oh my gosh, we need Jason Chaffetz. <laughs> nobody is saying that except for Jason Chaffetz and his former staffers. And, and I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just being honest. All right, good. So, all right, last note here. This is, this is a note of more melancholy. Uh, Former Congresswoman Mia Love announced that she has a brain tumor, has cancer, it's cancerous. She was given 10 to 15 months to live. It's been 16 months since that time. She's she's hopeful that, that things might turn in a really good direction, but she's not that much older than me. I think she only might be a few years older than me. And so in her 40s, probably. And so I don't know, kind of sad. Hope, Very hope, sad. 
wish her the best. Um, and, you know, she's already beaten the odds by living for 16 months. And, you know, uh, some of our viewers may know this or not, but I was diagnosed with cancer during COVID. And during the first year or so, I didn't I didn't tell anybody. I, I mean, I told my family, but I was embarrassed. I was really shy about it. And at some point, I turned the corner and I wanted to tell everybody. Uh, and I kind of I kind of wonder if Mia Love, I know Mia, I have not talked to her about this. Um, I kind of wonder if she kind of went through a similar transformation. So um, in any event, all the guys out there, get your PSA checked as often as you can. Yeah. Uh, get your physicals. I have prostate cancer and I'm, yeah, I'm not completely out of the woods yet, but I'm not, you know, living in fear either. So, yeah. And I, let me just, since we're on the cancer topic, um, my takeaway from cancer, I had surgery at Huntsman Cancer Institute back in December, almost three years ago. We are so lucky and blessed as a community to have that world-class facility in our, in our backyard. Um, yeah. My particular doctor there is People come from all over the country to see him. So it's, yeah. we take that for granted anyway. But my heart goes out to me and her family. I hope she uh, continues to beat the odds. She's a great person and uh, an inspiration for many people. Same. I, I've always been a fan. I like her a lot. All right. That's it. All right. Thanks, Corey. We'll see you next week, maybe. All right. Take care. Yeah, bye. Bye bye.